Welcome to another edition of the Power Connector Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Dickow, where I have a curiosity conversation with friends and business that I respect and admire in the hopes of learning something from them about relationship building, networking, and how they became successful throughout their journey. Joining me today is a special guest and friend, Andy Gutman, president of Farbman. And Andy, I would love to just get started, as I always do with these conversations. Tell me what's new and exciting. Oh, God. Well, first of all, thank you for having me here today. And uh, God, there's always something new and exciting in the world of real estate, whether whether the economy is strong or whether it's not. Um, the world of real estate is fascinating and always throws you curveballs that you never expect. Um, you know, obviously we're in a kind of a state of flux in commercial real estate right now as the world of office has changed dramatically since COVID. Um, so you're seeing a little bit of that, but over the last few years, a lot of the different sectors have, um, fallen and risen again. You know, we saw it first with hotels during COVID, they dropped off the face of the earth. Now they're back strong. Our retail was the same way for a while. And, you know, office is taking its hits right now as people are trying to figure out how often you go back to the office. Do you have to be full-time again? A lot of schools of thought, but it's, uh, the occupancy is growing again there. Um, industrial has remained strong, and that's great to see. Uh, but I'd say the focus right now is, you know, what do we do with our office buildings? And that has been a fascinating discussion point. Yeah. So in, in terms of uh, what you own, operate as Farbman, uh, the full service commercial real estate firm, there's 30 million square feet that you manage on a day-to-day -day basis, more than 200 employees, Midwestern based in Michigan, Illinois as well. And give us a, an idea for how you're able to manage 30 million square feet of commercial real estate. Yeah. So one of the things that, that we've always believed in is, you know, we manage real estate, whether we own it or we do it for a third party, as if we own it. We treat our properties like they're our own. We treat them with respect. And one of the things we made a, a conscious decision to do was to stay in the Midwest. Uh, our properties are never more than a four or five hour drive from us. And so we really want to make sure that we're able to touch and feel the real estate, be there at a moment or several hours notice for our clients. And we make sure that, you know, we understand who we're dealing with in the Midwest feel is something we feel like translates from market to market, whether we're in Michigan, Illinois, Ohio, Indiana, the people are, are pretty much the same. Some of the things differ in terms of that, but it's allowed us to get that reach and to take our expertise to 30 million square feet and beyond. Yeah, it's, a, it's an incredible portfolio. And, and you've been there now, you said 28 years. Did you have any idea when you started 28 years ago that you'd be in this position of president of a major company like Farbman? Well, it's, it's an honor to be in that position. I think when I first thought about joining Farbman, my only thought, you know, I had that, this great opportunity to meet with Bert Farbman, who's a legend and one of the, the best mentors I've ever had. Um, my thought was, I want to work for this man. I walked out of an interview with him and they said, I've got to work for this guy. He is amazing. His love of Detroit, his care for his people, um, his intelligence, they were all fascinating to me. Uh, you know, I've never been about positions. That's not important to me. Uh, titles have very little meaning. I feel like I always tell people we're a flat org chart at Farman. No one is more important than anyone else. Um, but, uh, you know, I always had high aspirations and hopes. And 
to be able to serve this iconic family and its 200 employees, um, it's an honor. And, uh, you know, it's nothing I could have ever dreamed of. Tell me about some of the early mentorship advice and leadership you received coming up. Yeah. So one of the first things I learned from Bert uh, Farman in, in terms of mentorship at his company was, you know, I learned that, you know, you treat people the way you want to be treated. You treat everyone well. And that's, you know, from the janitor to the CEO, everyone should be treated with respect. Um, of course, Bert taught me the most important lesson, which is, collect the rent. Uh, that was early on. He That's said, an important lesson. You can pay all the bills if you do that. Um, and so it's important, you know, we provide a service and need to get paid in return. Uh, but I've had so many great mentors over the years that have taught me wonderful, humbling lessons. Uh, and Bert and his, you know, his two sons, Andy and David, and his wife, Susie, I feel like they teach me something every day and I learn from them. And um, uh, it's been a great ride at Farben. Yeah, so, so coming up 28 years ago, some great leadership advice from Bert, who started this company. I, I believe you guys are more than 50 years in business, right? We're about 47. We're closing well, in on close, that 50 Getting mark. close to that big Absolutely. 50 number. How were you able to cultivate relationships with other people coming up as a young, aspiring commercial real estate professional? Yeah, I think, you know, I always tell people with my personality and my style, I'm not one that the first time you meet me, I resonate and I, you're like, wow, I've got to know that guy. I feel like over time people get to know me um, and I build that trust. Uh, but I feel like the relationships I've built over the years have really been about earning the trust of the people, knowing that I'm going to be thoughtful in my approach. Uh, I always operate from a lesson my grandfather taught me, which is, you know, you have two ears and one mouth and you should use them accordingly. So I tend to listen more than I talk. This is the most I think you'll ever hear me speak. But I feel like that's important. There's so many people vying for the microphone that want to speak uh, that, uh, you know, when I get to know people, it's over time and it's building that trust little by little. I want them to feel like they can trust in the honor and integrity that I bring to everything um, as opposed to a salesy approach to things. I'm not flashy. Um, I'm pretty low key. And those are things that I've learned over the years is, is humility um, and, you know, making people feel important because they all are. So early on in your career, you would just show up to community-related events, professional organization, business events, and you would just, you meet people once, you know, I see them again another quarter from now or maybe another year from now. And for you, that was your strategy was just to have presence at these types of events to help build your personal brand within Farben? Yeah, you know, back when I started, no one really thought about that. I mean, I think it's something that that you've got all of our minds thinking about is that personal brand. Um, I was really thinking about just cultivating relationships, being a hard worker and trying to show that off. And to me, you know, it was really about earning the respect of people, not through my words, but through my actions. So I was never really a great networker. I've always been a bit of an introvert. So uh, I kind of feel like over time people get to know me. Um, now I spend a little more time at events, a little more time getting to know people. Uh, but I'm more of a one-on-one -on -one person. Like, mm. this is a great time for us to speak. You put me in a crowd and everyone's vying to talk. Yeah, I like to listen. I like to take it in and learn about people. And to me, that's, that's how I get to know them and how they get to know me. It's just through, you know, conversation, never forced. Uh, I always tell people I'm no salesman. I'm just, I'm just a simple worker bee. So over the years, you know, 28 years in business, managing 30 million square feet of property, 
several different asset classes. You have to have a unique style and approach to people because people come to you from different perspectives, different walks of life. What have been your three keys to success to cultivating relationships with people that are important to you? Mm, my three keys. You know, I don't know. Um, what I would tell you is one of the first things is learn what people need and make sure you're listening for that. Um, you know, with our clients, it's not about me and what I bring to the table so much as it's about what their needs are and how I fulfill that. And I think that's an important thing I've learned over time is putting others first is one of the key principles of how I live. And I think that's been valuable to clients. They know that there's no ego in what I do. That's the second key I would say is I don't approach people as though I'm an important person. I approach them as though they're important because they are and their needs are important. So I rarely ever bring ego into the game. We all have one, but to me, it's important that those people feel that their business and who they are is the most important thing to us. And, you know, I operate um, with a very strong work ethic. You know, our clients know they can call me 24-7. And I literally mean that, that my phone is always on, although I shut it off for our conversation today. Um, you know, it's being available so that when people need you, you're there. And that means in business... You really do. You have to step away from things that you, you know, might enjoy doing because someone has a need. So I always put others first. Yeah. It, well, you have other things going on in business. You have a family life. You have your personal interests. You're also, and I don't know if a lot of people know this, you're an author of books for children. Tell me, how does one decide as a commercial real estate professional and expert, I'm going to start writing books with children as my audience? It's a, you know, it was never about business for me. It started off, I've always been, it started with songs. I've always been a songwriter in my head. Mm. And so I, you know, I, over the years I wrote a lot of songs, but I have no, no ability to play musical instruments. Although now with computers, I can, I can actually do a lot with that and create my own beats and instruments. Um, I have a terrible singing voice. I should never do that. Um, but I was a songwriter and through technology, I started learning about uh, others that could, you know, really help me to put that together. So I talked to producers and I talked to instrumentalists and vocalists. And I started putting things together really for my daughter. It was, I wanted to play things for her that she could take with her for the rest of her life. And that ultimately became my first book was kind of a lessons in, you know, kindness and caring uh, through a character I created, Charlie the Caterpillar, that um, I wanted to teach her about self-esteem. And so I created that book for her. And it was really just a legacy that I hope one day she'll read to her kids and her kids will read. And over time, it became a little bit more than that because I started um, reading to school children and going to parades and uh, and just talking to kids. And I found that that was somewhat of a dream for them to write books. And it became a little more about uh, trying to make a difference in this world through our youth. Uh, actually, your timing today with us talking, I have a book that uh, I wrote in conjunction with Beachview Elementary, a school in Farmington Hill, or in Farmington, uh, that we're releasing today, later this afternoon. Oh, congrats. Thanks. Uh, and it's really teaching from the fifth grader's perspective. That's who I worked with, teaching kindergartners to just relax on your first day of kindergarten, telling them what to look out for, giving them their life lessons. 
Um, and I found that just making a difference in these kids' lives. Now we've got 12 new authors today that are in fifth grade. And it helps them realize there's nothing they can't accomplish. So a little outside of my sweet spot of commercial real estate, but hopefully with a good you know, lesson in it, um, it's about making a difference in the world. And I feel like in that way, I, I get that opportunity through writing. So you took some of the mentorship and lessons you learned along the way of managing this big portfolio and this company into helping not just kindergartners, but now you're helping to inspire fifth graders to get involved in the process and you're helping them make an impact. I love that. Uh, what, what's the, what's the future state look like for you with these books? How many have you done? How many more are you looking at? Do you see yourself getting out of commercial real estate and, <laughs> and just focus on being an author? You know, I love commercial real estate. It's, I think in life you have to do what you love to do. Um, so I don't, I don't see me ever getting out of the business. I just think it's such a fascinating industry that, um, whether you're in it for wealth creation or you're just like making a difference in the skyline. Um, I love it. Uh, you know, with the kids, this is my eighth book that I've done. Um, I, I, I plan on continuing it. When I first wrote it, I said, okay, what I'm going to try to do is I will sell enough to make enough for my next book. And then I, I will keep it going. And as you can see, I'm on book number eight now. So it's been a nice little thing. But to me, it's more about giving back to the community than really creating a, um, a lifeline of income. Although that's always nice to sell books. It, I, I get a, a, you know, a special feeling when uh, people buy my books. But I find I give away almost as many as I sell just because the first child that comes up to me at a book reading that whose parents can't afford a book that kid's getting a free book and everyone else there is getting a free book. And, um, you know, that's, that's the, you know, altruistic side of my life and I love it. Uh, but you know, taking away from commercial real estate that, that became, you know, like a lot of people, I fell into commercial real estate. I never intended to be in it. Um, it came from getting into business in a terrible, uh, recession. And, uh, that was the first job I fell into was accounting in a commercial real estate company. And I found I love commercial real estate. I didn't love accounting as much. Great basis for knowing things. But, you know, to me, I think um, people always talk about retiring one day. And, you know, to me, I don't live my life for retirement. I live my life for today and tomorrow. And um, I'm not building something up so one day I can walk away from it. I'm building it up so I can continue to enjoy it throughout life. And like, you know, when you find something you love to do, it's not a job anymore. It's, it's part of your life. It's interwoven into everything you do. It becomes a mission. It becomes a mission, like what you're doing here. Yeah. Tell me, uh, er, early on when you started, and this can be regarding the, the books and the creation of, of these ideas, or it can be in your real estate career, but tell me, it's not always easy to do what you do and, or to create anything or to be a leader. So what were some of the earlier sacrifices like for you? Yeah, I think... Um, you know, becoming a leader, I, I didn't set out to be a leader, per se. You know, I, I like learning leadership, and I try to learn something every day. But I think the thing you learn, a leader really is a problem solver. And I love that aspect of things. But early on, everyone wants to be in charge, but not necessarily want to deal with the tough tasks. And I think what you find in life is if you are built to problem solve, and if you don't mind being the first one, you know, I call it, you know, running toward the fire. Um, if you don't mind being the one to do that and that gives you energy, then you're intended to be a leader. But I wanted to be someone that 
you know, when there were problems, I wanted to be the first one in the fire and, you know, solving those issues. And that's one of the things I learned early on was um, if you can tackle those while everyone else is running away from the fire, uh, you're, you know, you're meant to be a leader. But that's not an easy thing to do. People want to be in charge, but then the big issues hit. Because, you know, in business, there's not a day that goes by that there's, you know, there, that's problem-free. Every day you're facing some challenge. And um, that can weigh on you. You know, early in my career, those things would, I'd take them home at night, and I'd, I'd lose sleep over problems like, how am I going to solve this issue? And what I found over time is there's a solution for every problem, and you just have to look at it like that. And ever since I realized that my problems aren't going away, they're just going to be different every day. I solve one, another one comes up. Um, and that's what you do as a leader. And ever since then, I've slept really well most nights because I know that there's nothing that we can't solve collectively as the Farbman group, individually as people, and in me individually as a leader. Um, I thrive on challenges and finding a, a way to find a way out of problems and into success. Titles that I think would resonate, obviously, president, author, firefighter, <laughs> connector. Uh, I look at, at, at what you do in your position as somebody that is very helpful in, in bridge building and helping to connect dots for people. I find that to be an invaluable talent that not a lot of people display. Some people are good at it and some people are great at it. I find you to be very great at the ability to help connect people Sometimes the problem solve, but sometimes also to add value. And I think that that's a big part of bringing people together is, is adding value to others. And I, I watch you do it, and I learn from you in how you operate and how you position yourself in, in those times. Well, thank you. The feeling's mutual. I learn a lot from you on that. You're very good at it, and I think it's sincere with you, which that's a difference. You know, a lot of people connect others, maybe out of necessity, maybe because they feel that's a good business practice. But I think people like you who truly care about those you're connecting, you maintain and grow a lot of friendships. I think these aren't only clients for you that you deal with. Everyone becomes your friend over time because you really do care and you bring that. And so I learned quite a bit from you about connecting. Um, I try to do that as well, you know. But, uh, you know, to me, it's, it's, I think some of it's karma. I like giving back. And I never ask anyone for business. I always ask what I can do for them, and I find that becomes a valuable thing to do. Um, you know, over time, I think it takes care of itself, but I love connecting people just like you do, knowing that there's room for all of us to succeed. There's enough of the pie for everybody, and I tell people all the time, and if you're willing to help people when they call you, they're calling you because they need something, typically. And so if you're, if you're willing to put something down, maybe it's a five-minute introduction by text or email, and if you're willing to do that without any expectation, I think you do develop this great energy around you and this, this aura of, okay, I'm a helper, I'm a giver, and what can I do to serve others? And then business does come from it. We like, we like that. We like more of it uh, because we can find other uses for it. So that helps me segue into my next part is, is, why, is why has been and why is philanthropy so important to relationship development for you? I just believe very strongly in giving back. You know, there's no, it's not really a relationship building thing for me, although I do grow relationships through philanthropic efforts. Um, but, I, you know, I think we all owe the society um, giving back to it. 
you know, if you've had success in your life, I think it's an obligation to give back to the community. It's an obligation to share in some of your success and help others grow, and whether that's mentoring people, whether it's giving to a charity, whether it's sitting on a board, all those things are really important. Um, and of course, you, you know, you can't help but grow good relationships because good people are there in the trenches with you helping uh, through their philanthropic efforts. And so you can't help but admire them and get to know them and, and form some solid relationships. I think some of the people that I've become closest with have been through my volunteerism um, because I see great in them as they volunteer for things um, as well. So I think there's just something good about that. And I think we all have that obligation to give back. I love that. Yeah, I think that there's a magic to growing relationships with like-minded people where you share a similar interest, whether it's on the philanthropic side, political side, professional organizations, which I know you're a part of several of those, but organically you become acquainted with people that are rowing the boat in the same direction. And you just have to build relationships with people as a part of it. And I think that that becomes outside of the mission. I think that that becomes such a special value add is the relationships we build along the way where we deposit time into programs and initiatives that are outside of what we're working on. And uh, so I just admire that you, your approach to that because you not only do you, are you involved, but you show up, you're present and you are there for people to help them along their way with mentorship. And so that, I think that that approach is, is just incredible. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I'd love to ask you in terms of networking and relationship building, do you have any strategies that have been helpful to you along the way? I mean, obviously you, you serve from a servant's heart. That's evident in everything that you do. But in terms of strategically thinking, say I was a younger person joining your team and say, okay, Andy, I'm excited to be a commercial real estate professional. I want to be here for 28 years like you. Uh, where do I start to build relationships with people? What type of advice would you have for them? Yeah, you know, I, I've got a, a great uh, young mentee that just started with us in our Chicago office, a guy named Greg Akins, who um, I, I don't often get, you know, to mentor the the younger uh, people in our organization, but uh, I've taken him on personally. And uh, what I try to tell him is, you know, to get out there and meet as many people as you can. Take every opportunity, every meeting to form a relationship. Um, so, you know, it's fun seeing him get to different networking events and, uh, have a strategy for that. And he's, of course, he's a very outgoing young man. So it really works to his advantage. But for those that aren't, you know, sometimes going to, uh, you know, a networking event like yours is coming up very soon and you make it very simple for people to meet and interact and you make it comfortable, but not every event is like that. And what I try to tell, um, you know, my mentee right now is if you're uncomfortable, See if you can find out who's going in advance. Sometimes you have a list of the people going or attendees and reach out to them in advance and say, I'd really like to meet you. This is something I admire about you. And maybe you can give me a few minutes there. Or if it's not, you know, if you're not available at the event, maybe, you know, maybe I can talk to you afterwards. I can buy you a cup of coffee. And to me, it's just starting with something that makes you comfortable enough to speak out and get to know people, but every, every industry event that you attend, every meeting you're a part of, every interaction you have every day. I mean, the nice thing about working in our buildings is we have touch points every day with people that we serve. So whether it's our headquarters building where we have other tenants in there, 
and you have the opportunity to meet them and say, hey, how's, how are things going for you in our buildings? That's a great touch point, and relationships can build from there, but I've been trying to teach them. It's okay, there's, you know, it's okay to reach out. If someone doesn't want to connect, they're missing out, not you. But get comfortable in your own skin, feel good about yourself, and that will help you connect with, to people without that nervousness or embarrassment. Mm. No, I, I think that's fantastic advice, researching a little bit in advance, getting a hold of the attendee list. Sometimes I'll even suggest to people, contact the organizer of the event. There's somebody, sometimes just stand next to them. Absolutely. Right? They're at the event, they're shaking hands, they're welcoming people, and just by way of you standing there strategically, you know, they're going to say, oh, by the way, this is Chris Aiken, right? Greg, yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah, so Chris getting a little shout out here, which is great. Yeah. But I'd like you to meet Chris. He's new. Yeah. Uh, he's just getting started. He's with Farben, and let me let me in, allow me to introduce you. Absolutely. So I I, um, I appreciate that you're advising people to do to do the same because I think that that it's a small step, but you want people to get in the habit of repeating that consistently because over time, eventually, they're going to be the one that people are calling and saying, "Hey, I'd like to get a couple minutes of your time." Absolutely. They might have to put in 28 years, <laughs> uh, but that's part of paying their due. Right, that's part of having brand presence and, and being um, being involved in organizations, taking an active role. So we talked about books that you have authored. Are you reading anything that's interesting to us that we can learn from in leadership or relationship development or a podcast that uh, that you're that you're listening to? Yeah, you know, I, I I'd love it if I told you that I, I have so much time to read these days, but uh, <laughs> it's been a busy few months with a lot of things going on, but. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of the Patrick Lencioni books. Um, you know, it, uh, the five dysfunctions of a team is one that I, I teach our team all the time. Uh, but, you know, when it comes down to authors, uh, there's always some new great business book to read. And I'm a big fan of giving those out. We actually have a library at our office where people can check out books. A lot of them are the business books that we all admire. And our leadership team every month has a new book to read. So we all are always constantly trying to educate ourselves and make ourselves stronger. But when it comes down to recommendations, uh, any of the Patrick Lencioni books are among the best that I've ever read. And they, they bring about some of the feelings that, that I believe in, you know, servant leadership, putting your ego, you know, behind you underneath what you're doing and, and putting people first. Um, and so there's a lot of things like that, that, uh, that come out of those books for me. So does your, your team, you actually have, would you call it a book club? Well, we do, uh, from time to time, we do have a book club in our organization mm -hmm. as well. Uh, but we have our leadership team, which is kind of a, our tier. There's our executive team and then our leadership team, which is, uh, you know, filled with all the supervisors and leaders of the organization. And we meet every other week and talk about, you know, our goals for the next few weeks. Uh, and as part of that, we have homework assignments where, one of us will pick out a book and uh, the group has to read it. And then we have a conversation about what we learned from it. And so there's always some new book that's in there. I wouldn't call us a book club per se, um, but we read enough every year where we probably could be a book club. Yeah, and no, that's... It's about growing our, our leaders and making sure that we're, we're learning something new. I love that. And I love the fact that you're building a little community around it and uh, everybody kind of has an opportunity to share this. I've heard about this. We should all you know, get together, read, but also, and more importantly is trade notes afterwards, right? Absolutely. It's, um, I, w I was 
reading somewhere that, uh, you know, when, when you read a chapter of every book, you're supposed to sit down, pull out a notepad and pen, and what are the couple different action items that you're going to take after that? I don't do that every time. I should. It's a, I think that that would be an a, important way to, you know, get the knowledge from it, but also apply it, which is an important part of reading. No, oh, that's a great idea. Absolutely. I like that. Yeah. So we talked about Bert's mentorship, the advice that, that you received at a young age when you were just starting out. Do you still seek mentorship and advice from people even at the stage of your career where you're at today? Absolutely. I think, you know, the day you think you know it all yourself is the day you are misguided. Um, so I actively look for great leaders that I can look up to and respect. Some are just, you know, role models for me that, that I look to and I go, wow, I want to be a leader like that. Uh, others, you know, are, are people that I seek out, you know, that, you know, you're never too old to be mentored. Um, mm -hmm and seek their advice on things or seek their input. Um, one of the things that I do for Farbman Group is I, I bring in, we have a mentor program uh, called Farbman Guides, and we, have, we pair up mentors and mentees, and we bring in great leaders uh, to come and talk to our group, and they come in and share their wisdom. And I always learn something from that. Our last person we had was uh, Wayne County CEO Warren Evans. And the man is, uh, I mean, you talk about someone who just gives selflessly to the community and is one of the strongest leaders I know. I just, I look at some of the things he does and I go, I would love to be a leader like that one day. One day I'll aspire to be a Warren Evans. But I brought him in and asked him to speak to our group and it's a fantastic session where, you know, you take all that service that he's done for the community. I mean, you wouldn't have um, an airport terminal named after you unless you've done great things. Right. And he's alive, right? And it's he's not alive. like it's posthumously, right? It's he's alive and Yeah. You never see that, do you? No, no, so, you never see that. So there's there's mentors around us every day and there's people we I think you can learn from everybody in the world. Sometimes those lessons are what not to do. Mm -hmm. But everybody's got a lesson to teach you. And so I try to keep my ears open for that. Do you have a specific method or strategy for reaching high-level mentors? I mean, at, at your stage, I could imagine you have some people on your list that you'd like to learn from that are, you know, running Fortune, Fortune 500 companies or billionaires or people that are very busy. Yeah. How do you capture the attention of very successful people to, you know, become a mentee of theirs? You know, one thing I've learned over time, and I think some of that I've learned through what you've taught us about networking, but I've learned that I just fearlessly reach out to anyone these days. I have no, you know, I have no fear in, in saying, oh, well, that person is a Fortune 500 CEO. Why would they take my call? I think, you know, it's got to be flattering to them to hear from anyone about what they do. But I, I just reach out these days, you know, and if they want to respond, great. If not, I move on to the next thing. But uh, I find most people, you know, want to feel appreciated and they like hearing that, you know, they've got something they can teach you or that you feel like they do. Uh, and I found people are very open, more so than you would imagine if you just reach out. It's too many times. It's kind of like uh, dating in your early life, you know, that, that beautiful woman that you'd wanted to ask out, you didn't ask out because oh, there's got to be a lot of guys pursuing her. I think in some ways, no different with this, an important CEO, probably not enough people reach out to them and tell them, the effect that they have and what you want to learn from them. And they, they're flattered by that. And a lot of times they'll open their, you know, their doors and their hearts and give you a little bit of their time. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I have found that successful people are more than willing 
to share with you a few nuggets of information, some insight, as long as you approach them from the lens of not wasting their time. Absolutely. They will give you 10 minutes. They will give you 15. Some of them might even give you a coffee meeting, right? Early in the morning at 7 a.m. They're not going to give you lunch. They're not going to give you <laughs> dinner. But if you call with a specific ask, and if you preface it by saying, I did some research on you. I have this thought. I think that you're the right person that could help me answer this question or might provide some insight or wisdom. Do you have five minutes? I mean, who would say no to that? Right. right? That's, that's the mentality that I approach. It's a great approach. With very successful people. And then it is nice. It is a compliment when people will say to you, I need your advice on something. Sure. I need some information. Can you help me out here? And I know you are, have always been an open, open door with people that are not only on your team, but people that are outside, especially sure. with me. And so uh, it's nice to see that. It's nice to learn that others appreciate doing it because you know we're, we're often, and I say this to people all the time, we're often on an island yeah. in our space, and we do need the support of others to get where we need to be. Absolutely. And have you found that to be helpful in your development over the years? Absolutely. You know, no one knows everything. And that's, you know, if you... If you come at things like, oh, my God, I'm supposed to know everything, you're not opening yourself up to learning. Every day I learn. And there's something to learn from the person whose first day it is because they've got a fresh set of eyes, mm. just as there's something to learn from someone who's got 40 years in a business. Um, we all have something to learn and something to teach. And I think if you just come at things with an open mind um, and not assume you know it all, uh, you can learn every day. And, I mean, I, I tell people often... I go to sleep at night reminding myself how little I know. Yeah, and sometimes it's frustrating because I want to know more, know. but there's only so much time in the day yeah. and there's only so much that we can get accomplished. But I, I do, I love the approach and I love that you bring people from your team, you bring outside folks and you bring in leaders that you admire and that you've learned from in the hopes that people that are maybe juniors, but maybe they're at a, a certain position in their career where they can benefit from hearing an outside perspective. And I, you call that the the Farbman Farbman guides Farbman guides. I'm I, I'm going to some at some point leverage that into yeah. something else that I hope you'll be a part of. But I well, think that 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 the idea of bringing people together and surrounding them with people that are smarter in some area that they've been achieved success in, I think that there's a tremendous amount of value to that. Well, maybe we'll uh, we'll ask you to come in one of these days when you have a free few minutes and. There's a lot our people could learn from what you've accomplished. No, I, I appreciate that. I'm learning every day on this uh, subject of networking and relationship building. And I do need to say formally to you, and then we got the cameras rolling here, but in March of 2017, you invited me to speak to your team about the art of networking. And at that point, for me, it was purely application. I had only known about it because that's what I did. I, that's what I found what worked. Absolutely. And then I... I you said, yeah, take 60 minutes to do it. I remember that very vividly. And I said, Andy, I, I don't think I can do this unless I pour my heart and soul into it. <laughs> so we did. I did. And, um, you know, I read and I learned from others and I learn every single day. But what you experienced that day in 2017 has opened a window for me in my career that I maybe had an inkling was possible, but never until that point, it was never even an idea that I furthered. So I have to say thank you to you because that has opened up so many doors for me. Uh, and it has further advanced our friendship and relationship. And 
to this day, uh, I come across people that have said that will say to me, I was at the Farben office in 2017 mm. when you did your first networking presentation. And so that, um, I, again, thank you for, for the confidence and uh, confidence builder and giving me that moment in sharing with me an opportunity to uh, share my interests and passion. Well, I'll tell you, it was purely selfish. We got the best part of the deal. You <laughs> did a fantastic job and you did it for us and our clients. And people loved it. I still hear to this day as well what a great networking session it was and how people really admired what you did. No one would have known that that was your first time. That was my it. first time. You know, I, I think that in business, we are so talented and good at what we do, whether we analyze deals, whether, you know, building leaders, but sometimes we can neglect the most important part of business, which is building people and building relationships. And I think you do it so well and it's so core to what you do and people can learn from that. And that's, uh, is an important part of why I wanted to have you in today to talk about that and to talk about how people can benefit from thinking outside themselves and thinking about putting others first. And I know that, uh, it's a big part of what has led to your success. Uh, such an honor to be here with you today. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, thank you, uh, Andy. I'll wrap it up with this. If you could give, I know we talked about Chris, and this is his fourth or fifth shout out in this. In this. <laughs> he, so he'll have to listen to this that's podcast, right. right? But let's move on to someone that's outside of Farbman, someone that's listening in on this conversation. They could pick this up three weeks from now, three months, three years, you know, God willing, they find it and they say, this is the piece of information hmm. I needed from Andy in order to do X what type of advice or what is the advice that you'd give to the next generation of leaders? Boy, that's a, you know, that's a good question. That's a lot of pressure to, to put that nugget out there of, you know, good advice. You know, for me, what's, what's helped me be successful in my career is, is, you know, hard work. I think that's sometimes missing these days. You know, we're, we're very focused on work-life balance, which I think is important, but, you know, digging in when you're early in your career and really trying to put in your 10,000 hours so that you can be an expert in whatever you're trying to do. It's an underrated um, uh, capability. And I think, I think people, you know, if they did that, there's a whole lot that they could become experts in early on. Um, I believe in, you know, operating with humility. You know, put your ego aside in everything you do. The minute your ego is doing your talking for you is the minute you've lost out. Because there's never a time that your ego, not, and that's different than confidence. I believe in being confident in yourself. And that's, you know, another piece of advice that I would give people is, you know, when you're starting out, even if it's your first day at work, you have something to contribute. And there's no reason you should listen and learn, but also bring what you brought to the table. If you were just hired at a company, that company hired you for a reason. They saw something great in you. And so... You know, if you're starting out and you know, you're saying, oh, I better not say anything until I learn everything. You know, you can inject your knowledge or even new ideas because so much of what, you know, we go through, we sometimes don't have that fresh set of eyes anymore. And bringing in someone with no bad habits, <laughs> no habits at all, um, you can be that person who brings a new idea to the table. So what if someone says, ah, it's not a good idea or they don't like it, keep bringing that because there's value in your, you know, in your ideas. may not be today, but it's worth that. So those are a few pieces of advice I would give people. I love it. Be confident in yourself. Speak up when you got the time. 
when you get the opportunity and just have an amazing work ethic in what you do. Work ethic solves a lot of the problems of the world. You keep working on an issue, you can work your way out of it. But well, I appreciate the, the conversation today. This was great. I know we'll have to do it again. Things change, office changes, markets <laughs> change, conditions change. I have found that in any type of economic uncertainty, and there has been a ton of that over the last several years, that's when we need to rely on our relationships most. And so as we, you and I continue to take an intentional approach on helping others, hopefully this message can come across and people can uh, gather one or two ideas to help them propel their career as they move towards relationship building, becoming a president of their company someday and uh, accomplishing all that life has to offer, making a difference in helping children, helping to inspire fifth graders to help with getting, I mean, it's just a great story. Uh, And maybe you'll come back and say, you know, I started picking up an instrument and this is not another (laughs) thing that I do. You never know. Yeah, you you never never know. know. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation with my dear friend, Andy Gutman, president of Farbman, talking about relationship building, his keys to success and his experience in commercial real estate. We thank you for joining another episode of the Power Connector Podcast. I'm Derek Dickow, and I'll see you soon.